Since 1929, the Monks Investment Trust's mission has been to help investors grow their wealth. We aim to do this today by taking a three-dimensional approach to growth. Cyclical growth, rapid growth, and steady growth. The World Wide Web. Wall Street is in turmoil as stocks crash. The Monks Investment Trust, managed by Bailey Gifford. Capital at risk. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Advice Show. I'm Zach, a reporter at New Model Advisor. I'm joined today by Chief Reporter Nicola Blackburn. And today we're talking about data protection, what to do if there's a breach, and whether the advice industry has a grip on this issue. Joining us today is Kate Shaw, Director at Financial Life Planning, and Rob Lewis, Director at Celtic Finance. Hi, Zach. Hi. Hello, hello. Um, Kate, I think we were we were keen to kick off by asking you a bit about a bit more about um, the the story that that featured you and your experiences on on New Model Advisor. Um, so anyone, I guess, that didn't see that story, could you give us a little a little explanation of of what has happened and what has been happening um, for you uh, interacting with with these these providers? Um, yeah, the, the warm-up came back end of last year when I was sent some client information by Aegon, um, which was clearly not for my company. It was, there's another company um, up in the north of England who've got a very similar company name to mine, um, and it was meant for them. I got in touch with them and explained what had happened, got it over to them securely, shredded it, all of that. Um, and then it happened again, same company, same drill. <laughs> and uh, I'm you know, fully expecting this to continue to happen because nobody's been in touch to try and sort it out. You know, I, I've got to know this company quite well now. Um, so we, uh, we just deal with it ourselves. Um, and we have to trust each other that they have to trust me that I'm going to stick it in my secure shredding. And, and then about a month ago, um, I couldn't access my clients on the Scottish Widows platform. And the other company got in touch with me out of the blue and said, um, we've just been sent some login so we can now see all your client information. So uh, that was good. And I couldn't access this. This was much more serious to my mind because yeah, a piece of pension information is bad enough. But there's not that much personal information about the client on it. If you get access to somebody else's platform clients you can see a lot of information about the client it isn't just their pensions it's dates of birth and addresses and you know all of that stuff so plus i couldn't access my clients at the same time they blocked me okay what i found really remarkable about um these account like your your accounts were that um in, in all these instances, it was you and the advice firm that had to get in contact with each other and, and flag the error. It was never, never once, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was never once the provider um, who noted no. it. No. 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 And to my knowledge, we've had no response from Aegon at all about this. Scottish widows swam into frightening action very, very fast where we flagged this up and they took it very seriously. Um, and they did get it sorted very fast and were full of apologies and, you know, kind of made all right noises and did all the right things and it got sorted quickly. I should point out that, yeah, as, as you said, you know, Scottish Widows did, uh, did issue an apology and, and did comment Absolutely. on the story. Um, Aegon were approached for comment um, at the time. Um, Nicola, I believe you approached Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Kate, when this, I have to ask you, you know, now, now that this has happened a few times, um, you know, h- how much do you find this, frankly, amusing? And how much are you kind of feeling um, really concerned about the fact that on several occasions, you know, confidential client data has been, has been accidentally leaked, so to speak? Um, well, once you get past the massive eye roll, so it's like, yeah, that's happened again. Um, I look at my own clients and I think, okay, I've got clients who've got similar names or they've got the same surname and the same initial and they are completely different people. And, you know, guess what? We have a system in place then to make sure we're sending the right stuff to the right clients. Because wouldn't it be great if we had a unique company identifier like an FCA number (laughs) that would tell somebody that I was not that company? Yeah. Yeah, that, that that does cut make it, it seem even more ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I get that people make mistakes. It's human error. Totally understand that. But if you have two companies with very, very similar names, then just put something quite simple in place to make sure that this can't happen. The same as we do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's been a complete lack of, of process um, that's gone on there, Kate, and 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 we'd like to talk about that. I'd like to bring Robin um, and just talk about um, the experience we had. Well, Celtic Financial Planning had rather um, with the data breach that Citywire covered. Um, Rob, could you please talk us through that and sort of share any? I don't know if you've pulled out any similarities from uh, what Kate's experience there. It was a slightly different case, um, but yeah, if you could walk us through that, Rob. Yeah, sure. So we we had a, a data breach following um, access to their platform. So this is a, a national wealth manager where they have their own advisory force. Plus, IFAs can use their platform for their own solutions as well. Um, so we were just going about our normal business, downloading client details, and suddenly we got you know six thousand plus records, and it was full client details from name, age, date of birth, national insurance number, account numbers. So you know, if that fell into the wrong hands, that's serious data that could be, um, you know, mishandled. We reported it straight away to them because we didn't know which firm it was for. It was clearly multiple firms, you know, 6,000 plus records. That's more than, I would say, probably five or 10 typical firms. Um, so we flagged it to them. And uh, the similarity I've got really what Kate said is how they handled it, which was a bit like, almost like, um, oh, it, this happens. And we've we fixed the problem now it won't happen again um and i i went back and questioned on that and say well you know what why did it happen in the first place and what are you going to do about it and then their their response back after that was very much well um you've got to be careful how you handle that data to, to me it's like well <laughs> I, I know exactly what i should and shouldn't be doing that's why i flagged it to you straight away um so they almost put the responsibility back on me which i found quite shocking and yeah they weren't apologetic which i was quite surprised about um, and that was part of the, the, the reason I felt that, you know, we needed to talk about this as an industry that people should be held accountable. And it's about how we got there in the first place. And, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, there's clients at the end of this and they're at risk. We know now what the biggest crime out there, typically it's it's not robbing a post office, it's stealing people's data online. Mm. Abso- absolutely. And Rob, would you mind just outlining for us what advisors should do in the event of a data breach? Yeah, what would you do? 
Yeah, so we work really closely with our compliance um, solution providers that we have as a third party. So we always get advice and guidance from them, but the immediate reaction is, right, okay, um, what data have we got? Make sure it's locked down and doesn't get shared within our business and that it can be destroyed in one sort of location. Flag it to the business, speak to them about what we should be doing um, and just take guidance, basically. But ultimately, we know it's not our data, so we shouldn't have it. So the main thing there is making sure we get rid of it um, but equally making sure that firms know it's been breached or it's been a loss so they can find out why it's happened and, and, and repair the damage. Um, but it, it's always good to get advice and guidance from, you know, the experts. Yeah, and could I just ask you about just about the seriousness of, you know, um, of data protection and of, of the details being accidentally shared here for whatever reason? Um you know, you know, in, in Kate's case, you know, sharing a similar name with another firm can seem frivolous on the other mm. side. But can you, I mean, and it's like different information being shared. Um, Rob, this was a bit more pers people's personal detail. But could you just tell us how serious this is and what firms should be doing to prevent it? I think in our line of work, it's the most serious thing um, that we've got to be conscious of outside of giving advice and bad advice. It's how do we handle clients' data? Um, and, and for me, the level of data that I had, there, the account numbers, emails, full address, date of birth, national insurance number, uh, I mean, that's critical data, isn't it? And yeah, for me, it was jaw-dropping, if I'm honest, and I was shocked when I saw the amount of data that had been released to us. Um, and my first thought was, is any of my client data on there? Has anyone else seen this data? Has anyone other firms seen it? And I would mirror what Kate said before about we have this registration number with the FCA, which is unique to us all. We also have a unique agency number. So even if you've got two firms that have the same name, they won't have the same agency number. So, you know, how does this happen? And this, by the way, these weren't the only provider that happened from, um, you know, some other firms that Kate's mentioned there, we, we've had experiences of where we've had the wrong mail come through. Uh, and again, we've got in touch with the Forbes thread that it, so it, this is not isolated by any stretch of the imagination. I don't mm. think. What What about you, Kate? What do you think? I mean, to my mind, sending out personal data is like us. It's the equivalent of us sending out a suitability report to the wrong client. It's about as bad as it gets. Mm. Yeah, you know, outside of advice, you know, the foreseeable harm thing. It's about as bad as it gets. And and um, I just want to ask about. Um, client interest in all this obviously this is awful for client interest um, but in terms of how much clients are aware of their data and how it's being used do clients for example ever ask about your data protection procedures it's information that we give them and talk to them about as part of the onboarding process and because a lot of what we do is secure and through portals and stuff like that I think my clients are quite chilled about it but they wouldn't be chilled about this at all you know this is something that's way beyond our control but that's not the point because we are the front line between the client and the provider you know and if the client if the if the provider is messing up then it you know it it comes back on us because we're recommending these providers absolutely what kate said there um and i think the key thing to stress here Although it's not us causing the errors as the advisors, we are the figurehead in a lot of uh, occasions to the client. So 
they see us as responsible, even though we might not be. So this is where I do think we have a duty to hold providers and solution providers accountable for their actions for these breaches, because ultimately it will harm client confidence. And we all know that client confidence and trust is the biggest barrier to people accessing financial advice. So we've got to be conscious about this. And this is where I'm just going to throw this out into the public domain. I looked at some of the comments on the article that you did about the data breach and I was reading through and I, I did have a chuckle. Uh, a couple on there um, were, were on the side of the provider and that they were calling me a grass. Now, I've got broad shoulders. I, I, you know, I could take criticism like this, but I'm, I'm really disappointed in that type of mindset from the advisor community if they are an advisor, maybe they were the, the product provider. But certainly if it's the advisor community saying comments like that, well, look, I'm just trying to protect us all here. I think independent financial advice and financial planning in general is a wonderful tool for clients. We need to build the trust and professionalism. And to do that, we need to speak out on issues like this. It's um, it's it's interesting what you said about uh, what you both kind of touched on about the advisor being this kind of midway point between the client and the and these product providers. Because the reality is, I suppose, from the client's perspective, you know, it's you know, it's not the product provider telling them that they can't access their, or you know, you um, they, they can't see their investments for a day. It's it's you as the advisor who has to tell them about the error. And so, you know, to an extent, it does implicate, these errors do implicate the advisor, uh, which must be really frustrating <laughs> for you, I imagine. Yeah, it's no different when someone asks for a recommendation for a plumber and they do a bad job, it comes back on you when you made the recommendation. <laughs> it makes for a very short list of providers that you're happy to deal with, to be honest. I wanted to ask you both, uh, how you find providers generally? Um, you know, I often I often hear common gripes from IFAs about it, um, and of course, like as as just discussed, you know, um, it obviously impacts the advice firm massively, um, particularly because the client usually blends down. Yeah, I, I, my my general view is um, I love being an IFA because you've got great choice to to, to look at different providers for clients, and you need that choice at times because it can be a lottery and. Mm. Sadly, you know, a provider that's doing a great job today in a year's time or two years' time because of circumstances uh, may no longer be deli delivering that high-quality service that they did at the beginning. So I think it's an ongoing piece, and I'm sure if you speak to any IFA, they will say the same thing, that there's probably very few providers that you can say have been consistent over the last five years, let alone the last 10 years plus. So it is a an ongoing piece. I don't know what Kate thinks about that. Yeah, absolutely. I've been doing this for 27 years and there's client, there's providers that were absolutely brilliant 10, 15 years ago that I wouldn't touch with the, the end of a long bar. How do you say that is? I mean, Rob, you mentioned this is a long-standing issue. You mentioned, you know, this is, you know, um, you know, o over the years, it's been a, it's been a problem. Why do you think this is what, what's missing? Is it, should there be greater scope of sort of regulation on these providers themselves or what would, in, what would improve matters? You know what? I don't think it's regulation. Um, I, 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 my personal view is it, it's a chase for profits. And unfortunately, providers put the profitability of their business over reinvestment, whether that's reinvestment in people, reinvestment in technology. Um, you know, talking of Aegon, I mentioned uh, a, a number of months ago that they sent 20 individual letters to our office for one client, for one policy. But instead of putting all the policy information together in one envelope, 
they sent it, you know, in 20 separate envelopes. And I, I put a LinkedIn story about that. It's little things like that, which actually, if they made these investments into the business, not only would they save money, the service level would be a hell of a lot better as well. So yeah, I think sadly for a lot of big institutions and big firms, it's a chase for profits versus, you know, quality of service. It, um, it feels like it throws a bit of a of a different light on you know a, a statement that w- we definitely as journalists have heard a few times from providers where they say we are continuing to invest in our service levels and our staff in our processes. Um, but you your point is really interesting, Rob, because you've just said you know um, businesses uh, you know aren't doing that, but they will they will never fail to say to us and I'm I'm sure to their IFA clients that um, they are working to resolve these issues and stuff and. It reminded me of an IFA we spoke to last year who said that he thinks, you know, uh, uh, ironically, when these issues arrive, uh, sorry, arise, it's often because a provider has, you know, they might have outsourced their tech to another provider, or they might have, you know, put this big new process in place that in theory is supposed to speed things up. But in reality, um, you know, it's, it's, it's created more, um, more errors. Um, so it, 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 it kind of really, um, it makes you think, you know, we need to constantly be sort of interrogating these, um, these improved processes and these, these statements about better servicing our clients by doing X, Y, Z. It depends yeah. on yeah. the provider because, you know, some providers are doing a great <laughs> job out there, others are not so. So it's very provider specific, I think, where the issues are, but generally service has dropped off the field and what's really weird here and and, and again kate mentioned it about the, this race to cost now which is a big thing after consumer duty cutting 10 15 basis points here and there actually clients will pay more if they're getting a high level of service so if they want profits and they want this profitability let's get the service right and everything else will follow maybe what's also becoming a larger and larger problem is data security um, you know, we've seen various cyber attacks in recent years, and these are moving from issues that, you know, advice firms didn't really have to think about part of 10 years ago, and now kind of has to be top of mind. Um, I wanted to ask you how well you think firms are, or how your firm is prepared for that, how well you think the industry is doing for that, um, you know, whether you think we've got a long way to go. Ooh, that's a hard question to ask now, because I feel that data and advanced technology it's it's just ramping up so quickly especially with ai and that's one concern i've got now really um to put out there is if your firm is using ai hopefully you are in some capacity because i do think it can help with heavy lifting you're just going to be careful what data you're putting into that ai who owns that ai platform where the data is because you can see in big firms where people are maybe writing a report they could accidentally put some client details in there, whether it's a policy number, a client name, and suddenly it's on an AI platform that you don't control. So you've got to be conscious about that. But yeah, the advances technology raises the threat level because there's new ways of hacking your data through, you know, a Wi-Fi washing machine, I believe. Now you can access someone's home broadband and get the bank details. So you've got to be conscious about all of this. Um, so you've got to listen to the experts, make sure things are up to date. Um, but I equally think technology will give us the answer. Maybe blockchain technology where current data is on a single blockchain and that it can be recorded who accesses it and when along the journey from A to B. I don't know. Um, I, I think any firm, though, small or large, they just need to, in the best way they can, keep abreast of changes and um, see how they can improve things. For the record, Nicola, there are some fantastic providers out there, by the way. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Should we do should, should we do provider of choice? 
Rob? Sure. Okay. Are, we, are we are we still up in platform? Platform or pension provider? Yeah. And and yeah, maybe why? I'd be interested to know. Kate, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, platform or choice is fundment. Um, they're small. You get good service. They do what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it. They've got some good technical knowledge there. Um, sure, we're going to watch what happens when they scale. Of course we are. But right now, they tick all the boxes um, and they're a good client experience as well as a good advisor experience. And Rob? Yeah, pl platform-wise, we use a couple of um, platforms for different um, um, solutions. Um, but the one I would say, and put my neck out and, and say that I'm really um, like work with, would be Transact. Um, they've got a good reputation. Service has always been strong. Little things like they don't skim from their cash account and they pay a market rate of 4.8% uh, on cash accounts. Little things like that go a long way. Um, so, yeah, I would say service has been a big thing with, with them. And then from a simple pension provider point of view, I really like Royal London. Um, Not-for-profits, owned by the members. They do a lot of corporate social responsibility. Their government portfolios and solutions that they have are easy. After after all the discussion we just had, that's really nice to hear. It's a good positive note to end on. <laughs> Hopefully we get some commission from them now. Yeah. <laughs> Joking, we don't do commission. <laughs> no commission, no commission. <laughs> That seems like a great note to end on. Um, thank you both so much for joining. No problem. Pleasure. You've been listening to The Advice Show with myself, reporter Zakharar Sharif, and chief reporter Nicola Blackburn. Today we were joined by Kate Shaw, director at Financial Life Planning, and Rob Lewis, director at Celtic Financial. For any questions, please feel free to tweet us at New Model Advisor or email us at nmateam at cityr.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Since 1929, the Monks Investment Trust's mission has been to help investors grow their wealth. We aim to do this today by taking a three-dimensional approach to growth. Cyclical growth, rapid growth, and steady growth. The World Wide Web. Wall Street is in turmoil as stocks crash. The Monks Investment Trust, managed by Bailey Gifford. Capital at risk. <laughs> <laughs>